I've been having a, a I've been just listening to Boys by Charlie XCX for a while. What is, is that? It's a song and it's, it's like I've been busy dreaming about boys and there's this great part like I'm sorry that I missed your party. I wish I had a better excuse, but I was just busy dreaming about boys. And it speaks to me. It speaks to you. It speaks to you because you're you're dream, you're busy dreaming about I don't know if busy is right. It takes up term. a lot of the daily agenda for you. Yes. Alright. Yes. I should and that's why I try I'm trying to get back to writing uh, gay erotica so, so that I can get paid for being busy about it's dreaming. It's very nice to get paid. About it, yeah. Regardless. It is, regardless, yes. How are you? I'm good. How are you, my dear? I am really good. Well yes. I'm good. Even though uh Oh my god, this is such a... But I'm salty about it, and I'm going to talk about it. I don't care. The Cats movie trailer is awful. I haven't seen it. It looks... It's The CGI is awful. I have no interest. Don't... Yeah. No, the I, musical I, itself, I think, I'm, is rubbish. I'm pretty sure... Yeah, it is. It's a guilty pleasure of mine. And it's one of the things where I am, in fact, guilty. Feel guilty about liking it so much. But it was my first musical, so I have, like, you know, nostalgia about the whole thing. And... I'm hoping the soundtrack will be nice because they have like some good voices in there. But they did this fake CGI fur on all the cats and it's like uncanny valley and like the worst part of furriness. It's just bad. Would you rather have them like the actors dressed as cats as they did with the musical? It would have been better. It would have been better. People have a lot of feelings about this. I haven't even seen the trailer because I have genuinely no interest, but a lot of people have been you should see it. on Twitter. You should see it just to like be aware of how bad it looks. And like, there's like one part in which Rebel Wilson is like, this is the comedy for the film. And it's like, yeah, that's your comedy. I really don't. Although, 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 I have to admit that I'm honestly considering becoming one of those reviewers on YouTube that just hates on movies because that seems to be a bankable project. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. I, I do like hating on things. Like, it's pretty much what I do in my comedy. I mean, I don't know. How many jokes have I got where I'm not hating on something? Um, Probably none. That's a good question. Probably none. Yeah, no. Like, they're all, yeah. But I'm you make it funny. No. Because there's other comedians who are like... It would help. Yeah, a lot of comedians, they go on stage saying, oh, I just have to bitch about things and it'll be funny. You, you, you've, no. Like, I'm you've, shaking my head no, people. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, please. Allow me to introduce my... Co- well, first of all, this is Mexicans. Welcome to Mexicans, because we're Mexican. And we can't. We sometimes try, but... We can't. No, no, we can't be bothered. Uh, let me introduce to you Martin Leon, the man who is just like your mum. Kind, nourishing, and yet somehow people don't call him as often. Oh. <laughs> that cut deep. I know. That I know. cut deep. It's because it's true. It's yeah, funny because it's, it's true. true. I'm glad that you're not, we're not going against you. On, anyway, there's going to be a comedian competition. So. Oh, yeah, we should talk about this. Itself, yeah. yeah, anyway, so uh, let me introduce my co-host... The night may be dark and full of terrors, but he's just dark. Well, he dresses dark, and he's full of bitterness. Very good. Luis Augusto. Yes! I am am dark. Yeah, I'm full of... I like... I am the night. I'm Batman. We should should have you that shirt. There's several, like, roasts that would make great t-shirts. Yeah. Definitely. I, I'm just dark and full of bitterness. Yes. That would be a, a good, lot of people. Good t-shirt. Hashtag mood. We're thinking a lot about roasts uh, lately because yes. uh, there's going to be a, a tournament 
uh, in about a month's time, less, about like two weeks' time, yes. um, where various uh, stand-up troops face off against each other yeah. with uh, a five-minute set, and then the, the, the meaty part of the evening is going to be roasting each other. And Martin is uh, the, uh, the coach. Yes. Uh, for one of them. For one of those groups. I am no coach because I'm no one, so I'm just participating in one of the groups. Actually, I have to congratulate you because, like, from several places, people have been telling me that they've seen you either in Boom or anywhere and that you've been killing it. I've been killing it lately. I'm not going to lie. If It's been a good... And, I mean, I know I've seen you, so, I, so I'm not surprised at all. But... Also, like, you, like, because this first part of the tournament is, like, the beginner troops, and then they're going to go against the more seasoned. The more established, yeah. And, honestly, you, like, everyone sees your group and sees you specifically and goes, like, that's kind of unfair. Seriously? Yes. Oh, my God, I have to ask for names later. But I will no. tell you names. I've been, I don't know what it is. I've been doing really good at comedy. I don't know what it is. I think it's because I've been having some health issues, which we will, let's not get into, <laughs> let's not get into the thing, okay. but, um... When you have, when you have a health issue and you're going in and out of the hospital and you know, like getting the appointments and the treatments and the tests and the prognoses and the blah 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 blah, it's such a dark and bleak. And you keep on, I mean, because it's there's people like you who deal with that and can deal it deal with that through comedy and do it without, um, you know bombing for some people the stress becomes it's completely different like i've seen people that they the moment they start they just stop going to shows and i i period so there's like doing so there's that. so there's different ways to cope i mean i you like honestly you are really you're objectively a good comedian Thank you. and Thank you. i think the fact that you're a good comedian makes it so that the the comedy stage you don't go on stage thinking am i gonna do good i mean of course you are no, you're, i'm always you're no that's the thing that's it's kind of like in the avengers where it's like yeah but you're not getting more nervous because of you're you're sick now and i'm like no because that's my secret i'm always nervous i'm always shitting okay. myself regardless the thing is for me right now comedy right now is like a fucking lifeline yeah. because and a lot of people you know the very very few people i've told about this they go like um you know, oh, you, you can write about this. And you're gonna, and I'm like, I don't want to because it there are keeps, so yeah. many things that are like, oh, so stressful about this. And my anxiety has been acting up. And when I get on stage, I get to be business as usual. Yes. Just do my thing, do the thing. And it's become such a, such a nice place to be in. And also personally, like when I've tried to write about things when I'm going through the thick of it, it does not give me perspective it just makes me feel like i'm still in the thick of it it's like oh, no. it's like oh, no. what hannah gatsby says uh it focuses you on that part of the story absolutely so yeah so i'm not writing about this mm, i don't want to maybe yeah. maybe maybe day, maybe, maybe. I, don't, I don't feel like i have to um, exactly but right now yeah i'm doing i'm doing okay and i'm by, by the way i'm not dying i'm not dying it sounds a bit grim I'm well not, we're all dying we're all dying constantly at different entropy yeah. thing anyway okay. Yeah. So, what's the Mexican the stereotype? The Mexican stereotype of the, the Mexican day. stereotype is fearing death constantly. That's, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that, it doesn't get more Mexican than that. Just fearing death constantly. Exactly. You're on the yeah. subway. You're on the street. You're yeah, in your it's, house. It's, it's like death fearing is death. all around. Did us. you feel the earthquake on Tuesday? I did. We had an earthquake. Were you here? I was here. Yeah. Um, 
my uh, my boyfriend was not here, um, but I was here, and it was it scared the living daylights out of me because it was it was what they called a micro earthquake. Yes, which which is selling it short. Selling it short because the thing is, it was very low on the the Richter scale or the magnitude. Scale. Yeah, it was like a it was three very, point something. It was, I think, it was like a two point nine. Okay. But the epicenter was right here. Yes. So it was very very short. It lasted, I believe, about five or six seconds. But it was a very very it was a, it was a shaking thing. Like you could feel like the the it was like a a shockwave. You could feel the shockwave just going past. And um, Martin is currently checking if he's recording because if he is, we are recording. I just didn't put the timer on. Okay. So um, anyway, the uh, the yeah, the earthquake it, it scared me a lot. I, I couldn't sleep until like five a.m. because earthquakes just yeah they're. I was actually walking through Condesa. I, I went to the open mic and like five minutes before the earthquake happened, I was I just said goodbye to everyone. I didn't. I just said goodbye to two people and ran away. Uh, but I was like walking through Condesa. And I was telling Luis Augusto that I was seething with rage because I had to talk with this other comedian who's problematic. Let's just go with that. This is something that you should know about Martin Leon. He is so self-centered that if he is feeling something, he will not feel the earth literally, literally I just felt it was my, shaking. I just I thought it was my rage-moving thing, to be honest. <laughs> I I've, thought it was... I felt like the white violin from yeah. uh, my umbre- powers, the umbrella. My mutant kind of, powers were awakening exactly. belated. Uh, you Which know, I would not be surprised that rage awakened my mutant powers, to be honest. No, There's this t-shirt that I want that it says, like, gay pride, but then the pride is, like, like crossed off, and it says wrath. Wrath. So gay wrath, I want that t-shirt so bad. So anyway, I was walking through Condesa, I was seething with rage. At some point, I kind of tripped, and I think that's when the earthquake happened. Uh, and I just felt like I'm so stupid right now because I'm seething with rage that I'm falling over. Jesus, that was you? Wow, okay. You should really cut back on those burgers. Well, that's insane. That's crazy. You know okay. what we should do? Welcome to Mexicans, where no. Luis Augusto calls me old and fat. I, I, it was just right there. The joke was right I know. there. I'm so trying to stretch I, my uh, you, roast muscles. You're doing good. Yeah, well, that's... I'll give it a C. Yeah, it's a C. <laughs> it wasn't that clever. Um, so anyway, so and then like people started walking out of the buildings like in bathrobes and pajamas and you know different stuff. <laughs> and I was just like, "What's going?" And on? And then I asked someone, "Is like, was there an earthquake?" And she looked at me with a, like, "How can you be so stupid?" Also, <laughs> like, no, we just all came out to say hello to each other. <laughs> we just wanted to show off our pajamas to everyone. Like, look at this. It looks like a curtain. Yes. It's actually a pajamas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, why do you, what what do you say we just eschew the previously chosen um, Mexican stereotype and we just do earthquakes? Yeah, because let's it's do a, it. it's uh, it's a, a stereotype that we haven't done. And let's do it. It's important because we just had one, but like we've had actually several. That's the thing. This past couple of weeks, we've had like forty or fifty micro earthquakes. Yes. It's just just like. It's crazy. And it just puts your nerves on end because you're at any point you're like, I mean, I don't know if now in LA and like over there where they're also having micro earthquakes there, they're doing the same thing. But I don't, do you have a little backpack with stuff ready to go? Of course. Naturally. Yeah. Of course I do. Yes. Like I've got like with the first aid kit and with the radio and like, yeah, the whole thing. And yeah, I obviously left the, the, the place. Technically, I'm not supposed to evacuate. Like the whole thing, I live in the second floor, which is not too far from the street, but the 
um, the security, yeah, yeah the, the the security or the safety uh, procedure, the official safety guidelines say that if it takes you any longer than 15 seconds to evacuate a building, then you don't evacuate and you just go to the nearest safety zone. This I understand rationally, and then the earth starts moving, and rationality just fuck rationality. I get up and I just leave. I rationality is running out the door, and you're right after it. I rather be crushed to death running than crushed to death waiting. <laughs> like if I'm given this choice, I choose the former. Because yeah, I can't. I just, I just can't. I can't stay. When I feel the earth moving, it's like, I'm, I'm fucking out of here. I don't give a, I don't, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, like it's, and everyone was like, oh yeah, and on Twitter, because every, every time there's an earthquake, it's, every, it's, it's, it's the race to let's, let's see who makes the best earthquake joke. And they're all doing the, si the same five jokes from the past 20 years. I did a terrible one. Which one are you doing? I, 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 I never do an earthquake joke. And then I did one because everyone was going, it was very, was it? It was very short, but it was very intense. I just, I tweeted, that's what my ex used to say, and I didn't believe him. That was my joke. It was terrible, but I just had to. Well, the thing is for me, like the kicker went, uh, finally, I, I'm like, okay, it, the earth moved and I hadn't said anything. But then like my family from Monterrey and Los Angeles, uh, they messaged me saying like, are you, there was an earthquake. Are you okay? And I told them, yeah, I didn't even feel it. And they're like, what do you mean you didn't feel it? Like, everyone's talking about it. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. So that's my joke for it. It's like, I know another earthquake in Mexico City, I don't feel. I'm the worst cousin to have in Mexico City. You know, I, I don't have any good stories about it. Yeah, I know. We had actually... Um, here's the thing about earthquakes. And Mexico is... Especially Mexico City, I would say. but Because... Um, Mexico City, as you might know, was hit by a very, very strong earthquake on, uh, in 1985. Uh, thousands, of thousands of people died. It was just awful. September 19th, 1985, yeah. yeah. And then we had uh, an, a revival of the earthquake on September 19th. 2017, yes. was two, two years ago, the very same day, which was insane. Yeah. Like, it was, it's crazy. Because, like, every single year people are saying, like, maybe we're going to have an earthquake again this year. And it's, like, this big joke a lot of people say. And then it happened. And then it's, like, and the thing, the And the thing with that earthquake, I don't know what, what it was like to you, but, like, because we've had earthquakes before. Like, we do have, like, the, the earthquake alarm and everything, which is supposed to give you, like, 30 seconds to get out of the building. Um, and so we've had other earthquakes before that, that weren't bad or that bad. Uh, well, not, not nearly like, uh, no people dying, no people dying, you know, because maybe a couple of structures going like, Oh no, no, seriously. Like, uh, in 2017 people died. It was yes. about 300 yes. death toll. And for the 30 years prior, like since 85, there had been no earthquake related deaths. In Mexico. Exactly. Since, except for the ones of old heart woman attack. had a heart attack. Exactly. But that's, you know, that's... Yeah, but the, you know, like, well, so, um, so what happened with this earthquake is like, it starts, like the earth starts moving and you kind of go, okay, earthquake. And then it kept on moving for a while. It was so long. It, for it a while. so long. It's just I'm like, where were you? It, that's the thing. We always ask the question. Mexico is a country, you have to understand this. Mexico is a country that lives in a permanent state of post-traumatic stress. Yes. Because it's either... If it's not the earthquakes, it's the flooding. 
Then again, yeah, but um, no, I think I think earthquakes have something. There's something about earthquakes, and it, I'm going to do the earth literally moving. Here's the thing, and this is something that has been like keeping me awake since I was since I attended science class when I was eight or nine years old. Which is here's the thing: uh, a teacher was a wonderful teacher, by the way. Just God, she was great. Judy was it Judy Dawson? No, it was Richard Goodall, a, a teacher of mine. I had Richard Goodall, who was ex-British military. He would scream at you, and he explained to us what the uh, layers of the earth were like. And to explain this to us, he gave us a cup of hot chocolate, and he said, "Don't drink it, don't drink it, don't drink it." And he let this little layer of, you know, of, sediment. Yes, yeah, the the, the the crusty thing that just builds on top of the chocolate after. Oh, the. The milk thing. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, that, this, yeah, exactly. That forms on top, the small layer that forms on top. And he says, okay, now pick that up, feel it. This is what we're standing on. And when you touch it and it feels so fragile, and he says, this is pretty much what's going on. And related to the rest of the, of the cocoa, that's pretty much the thickness as well. Yes. So the entirety of human history has happened on this very, 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 the very thin layer of cool-down lava. And ever since that day, every every time the ground shakes, I'm like, it's going to break. It's like we, we're living on this, and it just keeps me up at night. It just it traumatizes me that we're just living on the... Oh, God, I can't even... Like, I can't even. Just meanwhile, I'm just, think, meanwhile, I'm just thinking, mmm, chocolate. <laughs> yeah, you're just like I could. I could do a, cu a cup of hot cocoa right now. It would be great. Exactly. But yeah, and yeah, on it's always like av after an earthquake. First of all, everyone rushes to their phones. Like, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah. Are you okay? And and like for some of us, we know that you're gonna say that you're gonna like send that message, and for a while, no one's gonna come back to you, especially if it's like a bigger earthquake, because the phone lines get plugged immediately by people talking to everyone, and be like, oh, where are you? Are you safe? Whatever. And, um, and the, the thing is where I lived in my, I was in my house for September 19th, 2017. And I was in my house in my apartment, which is fourth floor, but due to how the building is made, it's more like the fifth floor. Um, and remember we had like, we had had like a simulacrum. Yeah. The, a drill. The drill. Thank you. Like at 11 a.m. that, that day. And for the drill, I was in the shower. So like it started sounding, I'm like, oh no, I'm like, oh wait, it's the drill, so it's fine. So like I, I finish, I finish shower, like blah, blah blah, and then the earthquake started happening, and like my first thing was I'm going to try to get my cat and go, but my cat went under the bed, so it's like okay, you're on your own, and you wouldn't save me, why should I save you? I mean, I'm not going to go under the bed and get crushed by it on the way to my cat. Um, you, you're the the pet saving person. I mean, when she's asleep, I'll grab her and just throw her in the carrier and run. Uh, but this time she went under the bed and I'm like, well, you know what you're going to do. Uh, I don't even bother with the pets. Like, I don't have pets right now. But when no. I used to live with my parents, we had uh, two dogs no. and one cat. And I was like, and this is something that my father, like, what, at one point, the ground starts shaking. My father lived through the earthquake, the, mm -hmm. the, the 85 earthquake. Mm -hmm. And at one point... Earth starts shaking, and I was like, where's Jesse, our dog? I was like, where's Jesse? We have to save Jesse. And he didn't say anything at the time, and then later he sat down to me and said, don't do that thing again. If ground starts shaking, you get out. Fuck the dog. I don't think I could. 
I very much can. I mean, and First of all, dogs and, are and, intelligent. And, 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 They'll evacuate with you. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah. You know, like, because I've, I've, I've heard stories. Uh, and I, like my cat who went under the bed. So no, dogs, I said dogs. No, but cats usually also like run away like pretty quickly. Uh, so that's the thing. Like my cat went under the bed. So I was like, so I wasn't going to go under the bed to, to get her. But to be honest, like I was walking out the door and my thought process was like, cause the stairwell, uh, going down my building, I did not feel it was the safest place. So I'm like, it's not. And it was, it was going to be filled with people running down. So I'm like, well, yeah. I'm not going to do that right now. And so basically I just weathered the earthquake like next to my apartment door, just seeing people run down. And then it ended and it was long again. It was really long, but like in my area, nothing immediate happened. Like one hour later, there was a Zumba class, like one hour away. Cause yeah. we weren't aware of how bad it was. How bad it was, yeah. Everywhere else. And I was like trying to get in contact with people and no one was answering, which, you know, it's normal for an earthquake. But then like 45 minutes later, uh, a friend of mine who lived in, in Ansures, which is closer to downtown, she finally answered a message and she was crying. She was saying like my whole house, like her, she was, she was going down the, down the stairs and the whole stairwell was like cracked. Oh my crack, God. You know, so, and like she sent photos of what happened in her, like she lives on the seventh floor penthouse and the, like her whole house just turned upside down. Like, you know, like furniture. Did the building uh, collapse? No, the no, no, but it was under, like it was, it was, they had to make sure it was okay. And it was, it, it was, was okay. okay. It was okay. But like the whole, the things, all, all of the wall coverings cracked. So yeah. it looked Very like dramatic, it was, like yeah. it was about to yeah. just fall over. The, the building's fine, but it, it looked bad. And then one of my friends, uh, mom turns out that she had to get out of the building and the building was, was in danger of collapsing. Um, like it, you know, you just, Keep, kept them, and then I saw videos of buildings falling, blah, 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 blah. When, when finally I had access to internet again, because for a while I didn't. And then that's when I realized, oh my God, this shit is bad. It's the bad it's one. It's bad, 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 bad. It's bad. what everyone had been waiting for. Not in a good way. I'm not saying that they No, were exactly. Every time an earthquake starts, you're like, oh, oh my God. Is it going to be the big one? Exactly. And yeah. then it stops and okay, what? Well, but this, the thing is, this was so long. Like it felt like it shook for, Five minutes. Yeah. And, and. And it should, it was very strong throughout. Yeah. Like it was, yeah. Oh, no, God, but the thing yeah. is that it started and you felt an earthquake start and then it just stops and you go, okay, evacuate the building. Yeah. Everything's fine. But it just kept on going. Oh my God. It kept on going. So that's, so like, I will tell you what I did at, right after the earthquake. I went and bought stuff because I was meant, I was, a, I was allowed to bake a brownie for my then boyfriend. Um, and because I, I, according to me, like nothing bad had happened. No, yeah, and huh. then, and then that happened. I was like, so oh crap. Hitting you, yeah. Um, so that's my, that's where I was. Where were you? I was, I was teaching. I, oh. te I teach high school and I was teaching this, my, uh, my world cultures and, and, uh, it's basically, uh, history and sociology and linguistics all put together. And, uh, because I teach at a Montessori school and, one of the rules of the Montessori school is children are not allowed their phones. They yes. have to keep them in special lockers and they're not allowed to bring them out. They do have computers and they do have things, but it's, it's a, it's yeah, a cultural the, thing. Yeah. And it's a very Montessori thing. So we, the, uh, and it was so funny because that day, because it was September the 19th, every year 
every um, building and every school does a drill. A drill, but also like a remembrance thing of the yeah. victims and so on. Because you have to understand that 1985 earthquake, since it since the buildings were completely different, like the bodies were pi- being piled up in parks and public places. It was yes. just like when you see the photos and you you hear the stories, it's bad. It's awful. So uh, we did the remembrance thing with the children and we were doing the whole, you know, and because it's a Montessori school, we actually, it's encouraged, there's this philosophy called follow the child, which is basically, even though they're not children, but follow the child, which is basically, if the, if the, if the student wants to talk about something, you turn that into a learning experience. So we were obviously talking about this and we were like, okay, what do you think were the consequences and blah, 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 and how do the blah, 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 and how does natural phenomena affect society and so on because we've been doing this whole thing about migration and how people move and I remember I was making this point we were doing a seminar discussion so it was all of us sitting in a circle seminar discussion about this and then one of my students uh, stands up because I ask her to go get something from the cabinet and I go like can you go get the thing I don't remember what it was Um, and can you go get the the thing yeah (laughs) (laughs) get me the Iron Maiden (laughs) That's that's my kind of history class. It's like <laughs> this is going to be a practical experience, children. Watch carefully in the name of the law. No. Uh, and I tell her Daniela, and she's such such a wonderful student. And uh, I ask her like Daniela, would you please stand up and go get the the thing? And she stands up, and just as she stands up, she goes, Luis, the ground's shaking. And I'm like, nonsense, Daniela. Because what there's this a, a very interesting thing when you hear the alarm go or when you think that the ground is shaking the ground actually starts shaking it's kind of like for me it happens a lot of us yeah. get this if you hear a a, 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 a lorry's horn that sounds vaguely yeah. like the alarm you literally for three or four seconds you feel like the ground yeah. is actually shaking uh, and it happens in, in classrooms it happens a lot when one person says oh my god earthquake everyone feels an earthquake yeah. even though there's no earthquake so she goes the ground's shaking and then the other children go well the other Teenagers, why am I calling them children? Because they're stupid. Um, I go, and then the other kids, they start going, the ground is shaking. I'm like, oh, sit down. Don't be ridiculous. And then I feel the first, like, just thrash. Jolt. Yeah. And I'm like, holy mother of fuck, everyone get out. And we have this policy uh, at the school where, um, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the students leave and you're not allowed, as the teacher, you're not allowed to leave the classroom until the classroom is empty. Yes. The moment the teacher leaves a classroom, everyone in the school knows that the classroom is clear. Yes. So, and I'm supposed to wait at the bottom of the stairs for the maths teacher who is teaching maths. Uh, the maths on the classroom is on, to, on the top floor directly above me and uh, teaching maths. And uh, I wait for him to go down. The moment I see him go down, I know that the floor is clear and we both move together towards the safety zone in the football field. So we're all moving together and we're literally tripping because it's so strong. And I remember he was going down the stairs and we feel another jolt and he looks at me. We don't say anything, but he looks at me and we go like... This is a big one. Like yes. we've we've lived enough to know this is no fucking joke. And we're walking around with the students. The students obviously they're laughing. They're like, oh, this is so whoa, whoa. It feels like oh yeah. And we reach the safety zone, and um, every we do the head count. Everyone's fine. There's nothing wrong. They hear like, oh, a window broke. Oh, a window broke. 
this happens with even smaller earthquakes. Yeah. Like, oh, a window will crack. Yeah. yeah. So like, oh, the window crack. Yeah. The, the thing that, that that first is the thing where, like, oh my god, nothing happened. Nothing. Because you want to assure yourself that nothing happened. No, and because usually when the ground shakes, nothing happens. It's usually a uh, menial stuff like windows and uh, like a oh, book fell over yeah that my vase fell over and it shattered whatever you know um and then we're in the safety zone and it's like the children and the well because uh, obviously the younger kids and the old kids and stuff, they all sit down mm-hmm. and we're all standing and we stay there until we get the all clear that we can return and as we are waiting to get the all clear the messages start reaching us we obviously have a teacher group chat. We have an administrator because I'm, I'm also head teacher. So we had a, a group and so on. And the, the, the images start being shared by God knows who, like the teachers who are not in school probably or whatever. And we start getting, and we all have our phones and we start getting these things and we just start like looking at each other across the children. Like, Oh, look, a video of a building collapsing. Oh, look, a video of a building exploding. Oh, look, a video of people being... And the, the, the kids don't know because they don't have their phones. Yeah. So we're all like, it's okay, kids. It's all fine. Relax. They give us the all clear. Everything's fine. Resume activities. And we go back and the images keep coming and they keep coming and they keep coming. And eventually they send the message. We have codes. You know, so they send the, the code, um, the code word, which I'm not going to say. Uh, they send the code word. Classes are over. Lockdown, everyone stays in their classrooms until further notice and being ready for anything. Yes. And it was... Because being at school, so you are stressful. a safe space for all these children. Exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's, it was so stressful. And then, obviously, parents start showing up at the of door. Course. And they're all like, I'm here to collect my daughter. And security protocol says, I'm sorry, ma'am, you cannot collect your daughter. And she's like, but she's my daughter. I have to go. We have to see if everything's fine. We have to see all that. And we're like, your daughter is safe here. She cannot leave because we cannot have... Because then you had parents coming. Oh, and I also spoke to my friend and my other friend and my other friend. I'm yeah. taking their kids And that's too. when things And that's start. when kids go missing. Exactly. And if there's a time when you don't want a kid missing is after a major... Uh, and if there's a time where opportunistic assholes are going to go into a school and be like, I'm coming for... I didn't even think of that. We were all like... And the parents were freaking out. I mean... And I understand We were why. all freaking out. I mean... Yeah. Because for a while, you know, you have an earthquake and you, like, message your friends, like, ha, 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 you're fine, we're all fine, blah, blah, blah. This was the first earthquake I've had in my life in which I really, like, when I, ha- when I hadn't heard from someone, I was, I was like, have you heard from so-and-so? They're good. Okay. Have you heard from so-and-so? They're oh, good. Yes. Okay. Oh, so this was yes. the first time when you, you were doing a head count and there was an action. And most of my friends live in Roma Condesa, which was one of the most affected areas. Definitely. So, like, thankfully, all of my all of my friends in my group chats like checked in quite early, but a lot of them were saying like, uh, "My mom's not answering the phone, so and so's not answering the phone." Um, but it was the first time that you felt that thing where like, okay, I haven't heard from such a person, yeah, I know. and I cannot in I and and, I, and, I, and I'm worried, I'm worried. And for me, it was also because like, because you know, like I would I would message my parents live in now they live in Missouri. And my brother lives in Guadalajara and my sister lives in Texas. So, like, I would always message him, like, I'm, there was an earthquake, but I'm good. And usually the next day they will see the message and be like, good. So this time, like, I send the message, like, there's an earthquake. I'm fine. Um, and then they said, like, okay, literally, they all answer, like, cool. 
But then like 45 minutes later, we're like, are you okay? Is the building okay? Where are you? Everything, you know, it's like... It was just dreadful. My partner did not reply to a single text or phone call for two hours. And the reason he didn't was because he was at a meeting when the earthquake started. And they do this stupid thing where everyone puts their phones in the door so that nobody can reply to messages because you have to be here and now. present. Right here, right now, in the present for the meeting so that everyone pays attention. (laughs) And the earthquake hits and I was just with surrounded by kids who are not supposed to know this by the way and I was on the verge of tears another teacher of mine her husband wasn't replying either for different reasons but he was fine uh, but I was like just a fucking anything, text anything send me anything. a text a, an emoji get a, get a friend to text you send me send me an eggplant emoji to know that exactly. your dick is fine like it's <laughs> it's enough I will. I know what it. tweet I'm going to put from this episode. Right. Exactly. But yeah, it's just, it's insane. And then I remember at night, because then obviously everyone starts, and this is something incredible, everyone starts helping out. Everyone starts like yes. forming groups to bring things and so on to the building. Yeah. And I was, um, I was uh, with a few friends. Uh, we live, well, my parents and my friends, they lived close to a school that collapsed, which was probably the biggest tragedy in the, in the country um, during the earthquake. And um, a friends, uh, my friends, they were bringing um, diesel back and forth for the machinery because they were out of diesel. So we yeah. were like helping out. And of course, uh, everything like Mexico City in a good day is a traffic uh, chaos. Chaos, yeah. And like everyone with a motorbike immediately became really important. Really important because yeah. And they all and all of them, and all of them that I know like they just, like all these. It was really great to see. I'm gonna cry. It was really great to see how many groups uh, came together to help people. And when I realized, okay, a lot of people are tweeting about the same thing. So there's a lot of things coming to the same place. And so they started like saying, okay, we need a system so that, so that uh, resources get, get sent to places, yeah. uh, quick, quickly and, you know, and, and better. Um, like it, it, at one point people were like, okay, if you want to help right now, the best thing you can do is stay put because nowhere, things, yeah. nowhere you go is there going to be a place for you to like rest right now because in some hours I'm going to cry. And there was so many, no, and there was so many things to do. Like I remember, I, I went out, I, I helped a little bit, and then um, during the following days, I was like, I, I, I went to some places where we were collecting uh, medication, like over the counter medication and like paracetamol, whatever. But mostly, I joined a group of um, my, one of my best friend's husband. Uh, he is. Um, he is a statistics kind of person. And he joined a group of fact checkers. Yes. And I joined this group. So basically, when people were saying, oh, this building's about to collapse, everyone was like, they assigned you a, an event and you were supposed to do as much fact, check, fact checking as possible. And they, they preferred if you could call someone who lived nearby and say, could you walk three blocks and, and see if this is indeed the case? Because people were... In hysteria, yeah, it, like, it, it was mass and, and Twitter being what it is, and well, social media being what it is, a lot of people like they thought even if this is not true, it's better to be safe than sorry. It's best, which, 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 which you understand. I understand but exactly. When it's thousands and thousands of people and saying when, things. Exactly. Um, but it was really great to see how everyone came together. Everyone to help. came together. It was really nice. Obviously, it says a lot about our emergency services that people need 
to do this instead of just staying put in a safe place and trusting the emergency services. Then again, it was a national disaster. It doesn't just happen here. And also, countries and, with far better emergency services. And, and also, here, at some point, well. the emergency services would have been in over there. Overwhelmed. Yeah, exactly. So, like there is no. I, I can't. But like for, for me, it was for for me. Um, just seeing all the people, you know, like being like, hey, whatever yeah. you need, you know, blah, blah. It was... Yeah, these catastrophes, they overwhelm the best countries. Like, Japan yeah. was overwhelmed d- uh, during the uh, 2011 tsunami. They actually had people coming in from other countries. And this is fucking Japan. Yes. I mean, I can't imagine a better organized country than yeah. Japan. So, yeah, it happens. I remember the last thing I want to say about this. It's haunting. It's a haunting thing. I remember after I, because I lived uh, in my, uh, my flat was about 30 minutes away from my uh, parents' house. Fortunately, my parents, including my Alzheimer's uh, dad, they were leaving town to visit my sister who lives out of town in a part of the country about three hours away. Even just three hours away, the, the, the earthquakes are a non-thing there. She lives in Querétaro. And... They were on their way, so they didn't feel anything. They heard the, the news, and they called me, and I was like, just keep going to get a title and stay fucking there. Yes, yes. And they were like, but the house... I was like, I'm going to check the house, because uh, my parents live in Guapa, which was another part of the, the city it, that was that very, one. very terribly hit. Um, so I remember I did my things at my flat. So, uh, uh, um, how do you call it? Like a, a wardrobe fell down. I picked it up, all the, the mess and so on. And then I decided it was about, after I was helping people and so on, like bringing water to a place and whatever, I was like, I'm going to drive down there now. It was about 11. It's like, I'm going to drive down there now and see what happened at the house. I didn't even think, like, I knew my parents were out of it. So if I found a pile of rubble or whatever, I didn't care at that point. Uh, And I go there, nothing was broken, everything was fine. But I remember the quiet at 11 midnight... I remember the quiet where I arrived. Obviously, no power at all. And my parents' garage door, it's electric. So I needed to find the little wrench that you have to use to kind of move it around and just make it open. And I put my car in and it was just so fucking quiet. It was insane just how quiet it was. It was so quiet, in fact, that when I finished, uh, I made sure that the animals were okay. A room in my parents' house that was just full of shelves of food and where the pantry was just a catastrophe. There was like two inches of sauces and oils and liquids. It was a horrible mess. Um, the animals were okay. I closed that room because there was a lot of broken glass, whatever. And I remember that as, as I was doing that, I heard a radio. And it was so quiet that I could hear my neighbor. I grew up with this woman. She was uh, my, my neighbor growing up. I could hear my neighbor my neighbor's radio, which was not turned up too loud in her living room. And I just went in there and she was obviously very shaken. Her son was there. I grew up with that guy as well. And we just sat down with candles and we just listened to the radio saying, this building's collapsed now. Uh, We can't find this child. We can't find this thing. And the three of us just fucking started crying. Like it was just so much and nothing happened to us. So this is not like me making it about myself, like, oh, it's so bad for me. Obviously, it wasn't bad for me. I was so fucking lucky. But it was just such a weird thing. Like, this city is chaos. It's supposed to be noisy day in, day out, 24 hours a day. And And light. The quiet was so haunting. All right. So, okay, so... Let's get on to the meat of the episode and finally do the episode that I did not record last yeah, week. Yeah, we, we did, yeah. So, 
It's the the good news is it's an episode. It's a it's a topic that we're both very very fond of. Gave me the chance to watch about twenty more episodes since. What season are you on? Um, no, I I um You're I jumped around. around. Yeah, okay. I skipped around. I can't do that when I binge watch. <clears throat> well, the thing like is, like I tried watching my favorite episodes from um, Teen Wolf because I'm that bitch, uh, and I can't. I need. Well, the thing is, because it's it's a sitcom, I was just like, I, I remembered my favourites. Okay. So I just rewatched like my probably my ten favourites, and then the ones that followed, like I was just jumping around, and okay. I, I watched The Wedding, for example. Wait. Of, okay. of, so let's start. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry. The Nanny. The Nanny is a sitcom from what year? 1993. 1993. How yes. old were you then? I was four. I was nine. Right? 84? Yes, 9. We're such babies. Mexicans, baby. But the thing is, obviously, it didn't start here up until much No, the, re- the reruns probably were like 95 or something. Yeah, I, I, don't think it was, I don't think it was even broadcast here as it was broadcast there. Like, I think it started broadcasting here in Mexico about three years after it began. Well, the thing... Yeah, and the thing with, with like... Uh, with broadcast series, like, like they will start the sitcom, but then it won't really be, like, they won't do this thing, like, we're, like, we are premiering a new sitcom. Like, it'll just, like, grab a slot. And so, for example, I didn't see the first episode until, like, a year later when they were doing reruns. Yeah. So, so anyway, uh, last episode, we were talking about that, the first episode, which is one of, which is a great, 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 great first episode. The pilot. The pilot. Uh, so, first of all, I do want to uh, mention that uh, Fran Drescher, who plays the titular character Fran, Fran Fine, uh, she got the idea for the nanny when in vacation in England because uh, she thought she saw like you know the um, what's the name of this musical? The Sound, Sound of, of Music. Sound of Music. She's like, okay, the nanny that comes in and does whatever, and she's like, okay, we can do that, but it can be me. It's all about me. No, she she had this idea of, of making this, and she pitched it. I read this. She pitched it on a flight. She was flying from someplace to someplace else, and she she weaseled her way pretty much into sitting next to one of the big producers at was it CBS? I don't know if it was CBS or one. I think so. One of the initial based uh, broadcasting companies in in the states, and uh, she basically pitched the idea during the flight, and she got it greenlit for a pilot and she did this pilot and the pilot was great because it does everything a pilot needs to do it establishes all the characters it establishes all the the quirks that are going to be happening but it also like it's such a good episode to watch it works on its own as an episode it's not like when you watch the the pilot of friends where it's like there's nothing going on here yeah and also like i love that the pilot is basically the theme song which which is a great theme song. It's a good it's theme a, song. It, like just the whole the theme song just sets the tone for the series perfectly and explains like the whole thing. Well, actually, they do the thing where it's the theme song was very much based on it was jazz based. It was just uh, brass and piano and bass and drums like a just standard Broadway. Yeah. It was very much a Broadway kind of theme thing, and then every musical cue was always a little piano Broadway thingy yeah. going on, which was very, very nice. And uh, you get to see, like, Fran Fine, who is this girl from Queens, who is... She's done... She's done first scene. Very first scene. Um, 
she's a bridal consultant at, at this bridal place and she uh, her boyfriend owned by the boyfriend owned by the boyfriend and the boyfriend comes in and he goes i need to fire you uh no actually i'm i'm breaking up with you i'm breaking up with you because i'm with this girl heather and she was like what how can you do this and then uh he goes i also need to fire you because she needs a job <laughs> so that's the first scene she's like down on her luck and then she becomes a cosmetic salesperson door to door cosmetic salesperson yes. and then she reaches the house of the Sheffield family yes and what happens then well she comes in and it's this thing you know like the, the usual sitcom um misunderstanding yes the the like usual tangle as they call the it. usual yeah tangle sitcom misunderstanding so she comes in and she she she's there to sell cosmetics but the butler niles thinks she's there to apply for the nanny position and she does not uh she does not say otherwise so she takes the lipstick and writes a resume in uh lipstick Ooh, yeah lipstick and we, we talked about, about this like the joke which is like is this crayon and it's like no it's name a red color yeah, yeah. a specific lipstick shade exactly yeah. and uh, she starts like it's a rubbish it's, it's, a, it's obvious that she's out of uh, out of place out know? of place and fish at, at, at some point uh, the guy goes I'm sorry as a reference you're putting the queen mother and she goes no that's my mother from queens and that's <laughs> And obviously she is rejected immediately. Obviously she she's rejected, but as it were in sitcom land, uh, they are they have a party that that same uh, yeah. night, so they need someone immediately. And I forget what's the the um, the point in which like they say, "Well, fine, you can do it." Like maybe she's just there. Uh, she does have an immediate rapport with the children, like yes. I said, because they establish the children as having each of them have, having a particular character flaw. So you have the youngest girl who is like she does my favorite joke in the entire pilot when um, she mentions that she has to go to therapy or something or other, and um, and Fran goes, "What you have to go to therapy or something?" Or other? And the girl just replies to her, and she's this tiny like three foot person yeah. and she goes oh you have no idea how complicated I am <laughs> and it's so funny and she's unfazed she's like oh fine I can handle this and then the boy comes along and he has a knife sticking through his chest Brighton. blood everywhere because he's a prankster he's the classic middle child yes. prankster hey I'm a middle child yeah and probably you <laughs> sought attention in very very negative ways I'm well, sorry well I do stand up comedy there you go <laughs> It doesn't get more negative than that. And I'm gay. Anyway. <laughs> so the guy steps out of the bathroom with a knife sticker and she's just like filing her nails like, oh, that's cute. Like she's she's unfazed by no. that as well. And it's established that this kid makes it a sport to scare the nannies and she's not scared. And then the oldest, uh, the, uh, the oldest child, who's this girl, Maggie. She's about 14 and she's like the wallflower. She's very shy. She just, she hides her face behind her hair and so on. And Fran immediately goes, but you're so gorgeous. You should be like, you know, whatever and so on. And because of this rapport and whatnot, she eventually, I think it's Niles who says something about like, she can, she, she's probably like, she's on test. Like yeah. she will test you for like, yeah. cause also like for her, it's a dream job, not only because, uh, the salary, but also she would get a room in the house. And well, and 
money, you know, like a money. Job. And, she and, gets, yeah. and she gets to work with Mr. Sheffield, who's one of the country's uh, most wanted bachelors. Eligible, yeah, eligible, very eligible, eligible bachelor. bachelor. Or Mr. Sheffield, let's note, is hot. Like, yes. I didn't see this as I was growing up because I was a very asexual yeah. person as until I was probably about 14 or 15. I didn't really have any sexual yes. pulsations one way or the other. Yeah. Um, and now I see this as, a, as someone who is pretty much Fran's age and you're like, oh, yes. And he's, Mr. yeah, no, for me too, like when I saw him at first, he's like, he's just some old British guy. Old British guy. But then I see him now and I'm like, he is one of the country's most legible bachelors. Yeah, he's kind of like the definition of tall, dark, and handsome. Like, mm-hmm. he's just like this guy. Yeah? And he has a British accent, which... British accent, very, you know, he's not snobbish. They were actually very... It, he was very well written. Yes. He was busy with work. Clearly, he was not dealing with having lost his wife at the time when he did. Yes. Uh, but he was never... Uh, you know, he, he never looked down on her in, yes. in that particular way. If he looked down on her because clearly she's not prepared to be a nanny. And yeah, there's know. also very um, uh, my fair lady vibe to the whole thing, where you know, it, it's, there's always this fight between I I can make you better, but that at the end, Mr. Shepherd learns that she didn't need to be better. She, yeah. So so he was never mean to her. He was always a very a very nice guy. And obviously, you needed to have someone representing, someone reminding her that she's where, where she doesn't belong. And in comes uh, the final character in the roster, or, or or in the household, really, because there's obviously her family, which we'll get to later. Yes. But, um, <laughs> uh, who is Cece Babcock? Oh my God, the the blonde. The, the blonde who I read because I've been doing a lot of research on this. Uh, she is meant to be at least 10 years older than Fran. She's okay. going to be, like, she's written as this older woman closer to Maxwell's age than uh, to Fran's age. But uh, the actress who portrayed her, um, Lauren Lane, she was actually, I think, three or four years younger than Fran. Which is why they dressed her the way they dressed her. She always dressed... She's, she dressed in a very old-fashioned way. Yeah. And in a very silver way. Like, she's, like... Which is, which is great because, like, like, how you mentioned with the music, the sitcom is just... Uh, made it's you know like Fran comes into this house which is basically monochromatic and she's just a splash of color so like just seeing her coming to the room you like she is obviously out of place yes. in her in in this house and then you have Cece Babcock who who dresses you know very she's like Chanel the person she's like, <laughs> it's oh. It's all Chanel and it's all Dolce yeah. and it's all very, very and classical. Exactly. Shoulder pad, uh, pants. And, and the thing is, yeah, shoulder pads, but she does not in any other way emphasize her figure. It's very, like, blocky, very. Well, she is as well the, the stereotype of the 90s businesswoman. Yes. Yeah? Because back then, there wasn't a businesswoman who would wear something sexy. She would actually wear very mannish kind yes. of clothes, even though she wore. Like, yeah, of course, the there was there was the makeup and the heels, everything. Like, yeah, there was even her she, hair she was, was actually very shortish. Yeah, yeah it, it was, was a, it was like a longish bob. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and and I love her, Laurel. And I also like that uh, that she was a very like she, yeah she was mean like she did look down on Fran like, definitely she, she did, uh, but it wasn't all bitch all the time. She because you know this thing where it happens and some characters were like at some point she's gonna turn around and say like stop being a bitch like. Stop. Yeah. Like, she did it in a way that was funny, in a way that was... 
you know. It was needed. You needed a, she was written originally yeah. during the first season. She was very much written as an antagonist. You needed an antagonist. It was very formulaic in that way. Yeah. But then there was a nice change throughout the first season because the first season you have um, Cece being a, she was a cunt. She was an absolute was. cunt. And there was this one episode which is glorious where Cece actually uh, all. Um, Fran has to go to this wedding, uh, this family affair, and she, uh, Cece, takes care of the children. Tries to. Tries to take care of the children. <laughs> and like how hard can it be? Fran, do it. And I the could, children Frank are whining about, where's Fran, where's Fran, where's Fran all the time? And Cece, she snaps back at the younger one, saying something like, you know what? The nanny is only nice to you because she's paid to be nice to you. I'm here for free or whatever. Yeah. And the, the little child, she just like, and this is one of your favorite jokes. I love this one of her jokes. She, she like, she, she like, she appears in Fran's house which we should talk about Fran's family it's Queens uh, in yeah. Queens she appears and and is like oh my god Grace what are you doing here and she's like I took the limousine and ran away from home and Fran just like really when I ran away from home I took a banana <laughs> and she says it in a very Queens accent that makes the joke work I ran me. away from home I took a banana, banana. yeah exactly okay. and and that's also a great episode because that's where um, where Maxwell has to go to, to meet Fran's family to pick up Grace from the wedding where they're going to and I love that Fran's where this huge like Mary had a little lamb neon dress because she's the bridesmaid so she's meant to look her worst yes um, and she still looks fabulous of course of course because she I mean, of course she's the writer producer and director so like it's like when Barbara Streisand directed uh, The Mirror Has Two Faces it's like of course you look gorgeous you're, you're in amazing. charge of everything yeah but uh, I mean this is not the only time when we, like when we see Fran's family, we see her, see them from the from the pod episode. But let's talk about Fran's family. We have her mom, Sylvia. Sylvia, who makes it rain by dancing. She makes it rain by dancing the um, the Mazel Tov dance when when Fran says that she's engaged. Uh, there was a lot of suspension of disbelief. There was a lot of like magical there was moments. Absurd. Yeah, like, there exactly. Were absurd. Magical realism. I like that. And it was fine. Yeah. It was okay. Like you were you were like, okay, it's a funny joke. Who cares? Like it's something exactly. that very few sitcoms, especially the New York urban sitcom of the nineties, you had your uh, Seinfelds and your Mad About You's and your friends, and they were usually very stuck to reality. And the nanny was not afraid to doing something ridiculous just because it was funny. There was this. Uh, Is it then the first? I don't know, but I love that Fran has the power of seeing, like, guessing someone's uh, body temperature by kissing their forehead. Yeah. So yeah, and you just believe it. She, yeah, she's fun. basically again. She's basically like one of those magical realism novel heroines that she's she has certain superpowers, and you just roll with it. Yeah, it and you fun. just go with it, and it's just it's okay. It's like and that episode is really good. But then again, Cece, we're talking about like the standard formula originally was Cece was this asshole, and then um, eventually they decided. I don't know whose decision it was, but it was so much funnier to have Cece also be a character who is less mean-spirited and just mean. She's a mean woman, but because... In general. In general, and she's not, like, cruel. And I love that she laughed at her own jokes. Yes. Like, she will say... And she had this very deep... (laughs) (laughs) She she would say something to Niles and then go, like... (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the, the, the characters often laughed at their jokes... 
in a way that w- that seemed very natural. Yes. Because again, for example, with in on Friends, everyone pretended like you had the the jokester who was Chandler, and yeah. everyone pretended he was not funny when he was actually probably the funniest character in the show. Yeah. He had these amazing comebacks, and everyone just acted annoyed. Yeah, they like, just like rolled their eyes. That's not realistic. Or like with with Phoebe, who said like ridiculous things, and people just again roll their eyes or something like yeah. oh whatever. When she said something actually hilarious, and it was and in the nanny, like when someone. Said a good joke. You had you had the the cast actually react in a very organic way. Like that was a good one. Like that yes. was that was a good joke, and people would actually laugh with each other when people did something ridiculous. People would react in a believable way. They would actually laugh. So I liked the tone. It establishes this tone. So now Cezy, you can have fun with her as well. She's still obviously a very cold woman, and that it's funny because you know there's one of my favorite jokes. Uh, was when Cece says something mean. I don't know what it was. And Frances turns to her and says, when you were a child, did you cry when they killed Bambi's mother? <laughs> and Cece is just like in her shoulder pad gloriousness, just eyeing her like, she doesn't even say anything. She just like, she just goes like, mm. and Fran goes, at all? Like, at all? <laughs> And Cece quips with, I'm sure she's mounted over a beautiful fireplace somewhere. <laughs> and that is such a good character. Love, yeah. She's not mm-hmm. mean. She just doesn't get the emotional exactly. part of life. She's just the way she is. And in that in that uh, relationship, one of my favorite episodes was when they're both stuck in the wine cellar. Oh, yes. I, I watched that one. Oh, that's a fantastic... Because, like, they're stuck there, and so they they have to talk to each other. And Cece breaks... Like, breaks because... Because Fran, like, does her makeup and does her... She, does Cece her. is supposed to go on a weekend away with Maxwell. Oh, right. Which is supposed to be a, a business weekend. But Cece's got her own designs. So she she's, has... Yeah, she's, she's bringing... It's amazing. Cece does this thing. Here's the thing about Cece, and I want to mention this. Um, very few comedies, even to this day... Do proper physical comedy with a woman. Yeah, slapstick. It's like proper slapstick, a proper like silliness of body. Like no, if you, it's usually like maybe they fall or something. But Cece, the actress, she was so good. And when she goes into the wine cellar, she's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna fuck Maxwell tonight." So she goes into the wine cellar and she's singing, "Luck be a lady tonight." <laughs> and she just, she grabs this little uh, bottle of champagne and she's doing a little sidestep in the stairs and so on. And she's so funny because it's so out of character. You never see her do that because she's alone. And it's probably one of the few times in the series, actually, where we see Cece alone. Yes. Because she's very much a satellite character. She's either doing something... She's always, like... She's in the house, so she's either with Niles or she's with Maxwell in the office because they're planning something. Maybe she's with Fran for some reason, but we never see her alone. So it's such a nice moment where she's, like, hoping for this and then the door slams and the uh, the handle Breaks. breaks in her hand... And she's going, oh no, no! And she starts really like, and she starts doing ha 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 the laugh, and it's one of my favorite. Everyone does that laugh into crying gag. It's a very common gag, but I think that's one of the most successful examples in the history of television because it's so funny. It's so funny to see all of her dreams just crashing. It's like, oh no! And then Fran comes in, and she's like, Nanny, fine, I love you. And then she, and then the door slams behind Fran, and she goes, you idiot! <laughs> and then Fran goes, wow, you blow hot and cold. You know, and she goes, you know, a lot of women go through their change early. It's nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> The thing is, there was such good comedic timing. It, it, the timing on that series is amazing. The writing is just 
it's very witty. It's very it's witty, clever, which yeah. sometimes you don't see. Like sometimes writing is funny without being witty, and like it's very like in your face. No, the the, the comedy for for the nanny was that's they have so many quips and they have so many like these you know little asides where they go like like I love I love that. Uh, the like her mom they're in the in in Maxwell's house because it, like her mom and her grandma Jetta who we also need to talk about they're in the, they're in Maxwell's place and the mom grabs a fruit from the bowl in the center and she's like don't eat that it's wax fruit and then Jetta just starts like even the grapes eating a grape <laughs> exactly the and grapes. I, and I love that that Fran just puts her hand out so that Jetta can spit the wax grapes here's the, yeah here's the thing like obviously her family is insane. Yes. But Fran's family is established. That's her normal. But, like, Sylvia is such an amazing character because she... They do a lot of fat jokes. And yes. sometimes you go, oh, it has And they're always in a diet well. yeah. and they're always like... It's like, oh, it hasn't aged well because she... At some point she does go through this flanderization where she used to be a big eater, but then eventually she's like this rapacious person who will not let anyone eat around her because you will steal everyone's food. That was yeah, okay. I mean, fine. that's the that's the life yeah. life, life cycle. The life cycle of a, of, sitcom. of a sitcom exactly. But then she was always also very like Fran at several points she goes, but my family is so loving. They're so nice to me. And at some point she's uh Maxwell's having this midlife crisis where he goes like, "Oh, I've achieved nothing and so on and I was given so much privilege." And Fran just goes like, "I think I was privileged because my parents were there for me all the time." And then she goes, "Wait, am I am I bleeding? Do I have a con- concussion?" because she's like she can't <laughs> believe that she's saying something nice yeah. about her family. But it's always portrayed as this very loving family yes. even in their own crazy, really crazy ways. Uh I like the entrances. This is something that I noticed now as I was rewatching it. I didn't notice it when it was. Um, it did feel like there was a live audience there because the best entrances in the show were always Sylvia, Fran's mother. Yes. She would go in saying something or something happening. Uh, and I'm just going to do this. Uh, I'm just going to quote this, which uh, Fran is looking for her. And she goes into like into Sylvia's room and Sylvia was having sex with Morty the, the husband we never see uh, friends uh, until, until until one of the final episodes yeah one of the final episodes we only see his toupee which they're always comb, combing, combing exactly how do you and pronounce that shit combing yeah <laughs> and Sylvia goes out in this negligee thing like just the most unsexy thing you can possibly think and every time Sylvia goes in she is quiet because the audience is reacting the audience is actually reacting. So she goes, it's a very American thing they do in the theater where when the famous person goes into the Broadway show, everyone just claps at the famous person. So the famous person goes, hello, and just stays in that weird, awkward, theatrical moment of, I'm just going to wait. You're just being aware that we're breaking the fourth wall because I'm who I am and I deserve this applause. So every time Sylvia came in, in one of her outfits or doing one thing or whatever, she would just wait for people to... Stop reacting to her, and then she would to go bask in her greatness. to bask in her greatness. But it was so good that you got to bask in the greatness of these characters. Yetta, oh, also like you mentioned, what was yeah, your favorite yeah, that, entrance? Yeah, that, that my god, because uh, they're looking for a date for this other writer who's an older gentleman, and she's like, I have the perfect person, and so she, she, she. She, she's coming so like it's like it's her so they open the door and she walks in and yet that like if you don't I mean she's huge gray hair glasses you know like 
thick, thick, thick glasses that just maximize her eyes. Like her, her iconic fanny pack. Her iconic, yeah, and she just walks in in the slowest of paces. And after the audience finishes basking in her greatness, she goes, "I'm sorry, I'm late. I was looking for a bra that had a clasp in the front." <laughs> and, it's, yeah. and it's just like. I love you. I love you. You establish her in one line. In one line, and because that's the that's the thing about you know for all the fat jokes with Sylvia and all the jokes where you know at the no point jokes yeah Yetta, at yeah. no point do they become asexual jokes like even this thing with because the whole thing with Jedi is that she does make this guy fall in love with him yeah. and it's a thing. And like like you mentioned, Sylvia and her husband still have a sex life. Very much. Like, it, it's brought up several times yeah. that they're actually quite sexually active. Like, they have a very, yeah. a very a very weird kind of... They scream at each other all the time, but it's also implied that he likes it. Yes. Like, he likes being... Having such a domineering wife. Yes, 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 yes. So, yeah. So, um, and, you know, this might just be me editorializing, but I do think it's part of having so many women in the creative heads... Uh, especially, you know, producer, director, uh, main actress. Uh, but it's, it's great to see that because even it just permeates the whole, the whole thing. And like what you were mentioning about her family being loving, that's also a thing I, 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 you see a lot because in most sitcoms, like Married with Children, like even Everybody Loves Raymond, and like even like the few family moments you see in Friends with each of them, like they don't like, like, they don't seem to like their own family that much. There's yeah. always like this, this thing where like you don't like your family, period. Yeah. And here, yeah, it's not perfect, but in the end, family is there for each other. Yeah. Uh, even if it takes Maxwell like an hour to realize her daughter's, his daughter is missing. <laughs> which, which again, that's his, he is kind of like the bumbling dad. He's just too yeah. busy with work. Uh, and, uh, it's such a nice fit because you can tell from the very first episode, Fran is just what they needed. It's and, established like this. And is Niles just... is the person. And Niles is all that we have to talk about. Niles. Niles is an amazing character. Niles is the butler. Now, life goals. A friend of mine. She's from the states, and she said, "I grew up." She said, "I grew up in the '90s. For me, I measure my life. I, I will know I'm successful when I get to have a white butler." <laughs> That's what she said. A white British butler. A white, yeah, no, but the <laughs> extra points for for him being British. But he is obviously this guy who has also has kind of like a, a down on his luck path where he's like this very well-educated, very smart person who ends up being a servant, basically. Yeah. Obviously, it's implied several times that he makes actually a lot of money being a butler. Because, yes. Because Manhattan and New York. Yeah. And it's always, I like how it's always hand-waved that Maxwell is very, 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 very generous with his money. He's never stingy. He's always like, in the first season, I think, he lets Sylvia have her birthday party at this, uh, this episode where they get locked up in the wine cellar. Uh, she gets to have her birthday party at her house, at their house. And he goes, this is my finest wine. I want you to have it. Like, he's always very much. Yeah, he's very giving, very generous. Yeah, like, I'm going to bring your family, your whole family on a cruise ship. I'm going to bring, like, he's always very, he's never written as this curmudgeonly millionaire. No. It's actually. No, his character flaw is very much, as you say, being, not being, not being able to deal with his family without his wife. Exactly. And sort of taking refuge in his work. 
instead of dealing with three children who are obviously dealing with having lost their mother in three very different ways that need addressing. Like for him, it's like you're in therapy. So that's, that's, that's it. You are a boy and you're pranking people, but boys will be boys. And as long as Maggie isn't, you know, kissing a waiter. Kissing um, a waiter, which we should talk about because that's... The first episode. That's the first change that you see, the big change, because obviously in the first episode, you can't write about every single character. You always focus on several characters. Of course, they although, although on... they do manage in a very short time, because it's 22 minutes, uh, a sitcom uh, episode, like, they do manage to have the children have a... A moment. Realistic, and a realistic beginning of change. It's not like, oh, now everything's fixed. Like, yeah. But it's but but Niles just comment on just her being here for this one day is starting to have a positive in, in, uh, input on on the children, uh, and that's when he says like and he gives her a sandwich. He's like because he fires her, and yeah. the reason he fires because Maxwell fires Fran. He must have fired Fran twelve times throughout the the the. the, the the, the seasons. I mean, one of one of the one of one of his catchphrases for the for the show was <laughs> Miss Fine. She would just like, yeah, it was so funny. And he um, he fires her because at the party, uh, Maggie is like, oh, I can't I can't go to the party at home. And then Fran buys a dress for Maggie, and it's this awful eighties nineties number, but she looks so beautiful. She's such a beautiful girl, and she comes down and there's this beautiful touching moment where it was like she's coming down the stairs and we have to talk about the stairs and yes. she's coming down the stairs after Fran comes down the stairs in this amazing red sequin boom just like this is me this is what this is what nannies are not supposed to this wear this is what nannies are not supposed to wear and then Fran goes Maggie come down and Maggie comes down looking beautiful and the you know it's also gorgeous and then Maxwell they they give and that's something that I really like about the sitcom the heart uh, the heartfelt moments very rarely feel forced yes they usually have a very a very good reason to be. It's not like like Full House where it's like ah, oh, it, it seems very. And today I learned that I shouldn't yeah, kill puppies. My real friends are the ones that are going to stick yeah. by me. Like it's not put. And then Maxwell, he just says this line like Jesus, I'd never realized how much she looks like her mother until now. It's not elaborated upon. You don't need to. You can see that he is also dealing with shit. Because if he hadn't noticed that his daughter looks just like her mother, there's some distance that is being shortened as well. And then Maggie, she uh, Maxwell opens the door and Maggie is kissing uh, the, waiter, the waiter, the waiter for, for, uh, at the party. And then he goes, "How oh, can you be doing this? Something, something." And then he turns to Fran and he says, "Maggie was kissing the waiter." And Fran's reaction is so, "Oh my God, your first kiss! That is so exciting!" And he runs to hug her. Which is what Maxwell should have done. Yes. Yeah, but he couldn't, obviously. He didn't have that. Well, you know, exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you can see, and then Niles goes, you know, he brings him a sandwich. And it's a, a sandwich that Fran taught him how to make. How to make. And, he, and, and there's a line where it's like, yes, Fran, fine, what you, what, what you needed. Just what you needed, yeah. And Maxwell goes, you're not talking about the sandwich, are you? And I was just very sarcastic, goes... No, Niles. I'm not talking about the sandwich. <laughs> Which Niles is always... Niles is always going on about how he... Why is he the help 
when he is clearly smarter than Maxwell in pretty much every respect. Yes. And then at some point, uh, Maxwell says something stupid. I don't remember what it was. And then Niles is just looking off into the distance, like spacing out. And Maxwell goes, Niles, are you, are you listening to what I'm saying? And Niles just goes, no, sorry, sir. I was just thinking, how is it, how it is that you ended up there? And I ended up here. Yeah. Like, I don't... Standing I, next to you and you're sitting on the Waiting desk. on yeah. you, yeah. Yeah, especially since Maxwell turned down cats. He turned down cats. Another Which one. Which is a nice segue into something that we really like about this show. It was such a gay positive show. It was. It, it was. was. Incredibly gay positive. Um, starting with the clothes. The clothes. Fran Fine is a, is a fashion icon, and in the best way possible, because because you know she would she just dressed, she just did herself, and she was amazing from beginning to end. My favorite dress is one. It's like a black dress, but that has like ribbons, like wide ribbons all over it. It's basically like a gay flag made into a dress, and it's like it like the ribbons seem like drape on the sleeves. It's just. Amazing! It's colorful. It's I, I love it. I, well, that's that's my favorite dress. She does amazing looks. Yes. Every like she's turning the looks. She would no seriously. She would be. I don't know why she hasn't been on Drag Race yet because I do know that she's actually a friend of RuPaul's. Like they, yeah. But I mean, my hope is that they do a friend like a friend like a the nanny episode. They oh. RuPaul, I know you listen to our podcast. Please. Obviously, you listen to our podcast. Once, every time Where I... is it? Where is a Fran Fine nanny-themed episode? Yes. Like a tribute. Every drag queen doing a tribute to their favorite Fran Fine look. Because it was such... She dressed like a when drag you men- queen. When you mentioned the stairs, like those stairs were the first, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race runway. That was Remember really- that Cher impersonator? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> and it was never... And it was very interesting because... Uh, at some point, they could have gone with the easy gay jokes, mm-hmm. and they didn't. At some point, Max, the only thing coming close to a homophobic joke, and it wasn't, it really isn't. Um, but he, um, he is like, when they decide that they're gonna use Fran's cousin, I don't remember his name, but Fran's cousin, um, who is a drag queen Cher impersonator, and he turns out to because be- Because Cher is staying with them, uh, of course not Cher, but Cher's staying with them because she just had surgery and she doesn't want to be seen. And, but and pe- then the media, Siege the house. Yeah, because they, they think Fran squealed, but it was someone else who... It, it was, was a friend of Maxwell's. Yes, it was a friend they of Maxwell's. They did this thing on male gossip versus female gossip. Yes. It was also brought up a lot, the uh, uh, the idea of double standards between yes. men and women. Again, you could see that there was a woman In at charge. the writer's desk yes. saying things, and it was so important. Um, but then Maxwell says, like, oh, Fra- uh, Miss Fine... The only thing I think of, the only thing that bothers me right now is like, before I met you, I never had the need for an emergency transvestite. <laughs> and it's so funny. And then... Although uh, he works Grace, in theater, he probably did. No, he did. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But um, for, uh, Grace comes in and a friend asks her, is, is my cousin ready? And she goes, he's dressed like a woman. And it's... And all that Fran does is, I know, honey, I will explain everything later. Everything was just... I will explain it. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to be scared of. It's weird for you, yes, because you're six and you just saw. And it's so. Funny. And it's not like, oh my god, she's dressed like one of the Golden Girls. It's he's dressed as if you could turn back time, sure. Yes, exactly. And it's this morbidly, morbidly obese person, and he's so funny when he does the whole share head <laughs> doing thing. It's just yeah. so good. One of the jokes there that, you know, it, it, Maxwell says, like, and where does he impersonate Cher? At SeaWorld? 
and it's so good. Yeah. But it's it's always it always comes back to Fran being this very kind-hearted. I'm going to explain everything to you. At some point, Maggie falls in love with this gay guy. We never see him, but it's implied because she goes, "Oh, I have such a crush on this guy. He taught me how to do my makeup." And Fran goes, "We need to talk later." Yes. And then it keeps coming and so on. And then they have the talk, and it's just. He's gay, yeah, and it's okay. and then they do have uh, they 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 have a parallel with another gay character that comes in later who is also having a sort who has like an an affair because really Fran and Maxwell they don't really start having an affair like they have a will they won't they uh, rapport for the a while seasons, I think, yeah. before anything happens <clears throat> yeah. uh, but there's this gay character forgetting wh- when but he's the dog walker for a really really rich family right. And, you know, Fran sees herself in him and that he always had, and he was having a relationship with the guy. And when, and when the, when the, the guy passed away, they just kind of completely pushed him aside. And it's like, we have like, they invisibilized him. And Fran, like, saw herself, she empathizes. saw herself with that, that could happen to me because yes, I'm having this relationship with Maxwell, but there's, but like, if something happens, like his family's not gonna be like, yes, yeah, sure, like come into the fold. Yeah. So and she becomes friends with the guy. Yeah. And then she, she tells does. her mother. Yes. Because she goes to this funeral, he she meets the guy, and her mother goes, Oh, you met a guy? Is he cute? Yeah, is he well, yeah, yeah. And then Fran goes, Yeah, but he's also gay. And Sylvia, the only thing Sylvia says is like, so you're seeing him again, won't you? Like <laughs> it's so funny that yeah. she Sylvia wouldn't mind Fran marrying a gay guy. Yeah. As long as she gets married. And then Fran goes, yeah, we're going to see a show on Friday. Like, it's, <laughs> it's fine. And then there's this other gay character who um, Maxwell falls in love with. This this gay woman. Yes. Who is like this very gorgeous blonde. Oh my God, like, yes. She's... What's the, what's the word? Oh my God, she's gorgeous, yeah. But like big blonde hair. Not big Sylvia, just locks. And, yeah. Uh, Beautiful woman. And, and short dresses. Very confident. She, yes. Very feminine. Yes. She's not... Very butch. lipstick lesbian. She's a, yeah, she's like the lis- lipstick lesbian. And uh, then Maxwell falls in love with her. And then she goes... She tells... Fran tells her, like, please don't take... like Oh, no. Because Fran, Fran feels intimidated by, by this character. But eventually uh, Fran accepts it. And she goes, like, I hope you bo- you're both very, very happy. And then the woman goes, oh, Fran, you don't get it. No, 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 Fran, I'm gay. And then Fran goes, oh, thank God. <laughs> and she hugs her. And then Fran beat. lets go. Yeah, beat. <laughs> There's a beat. And then Fran lets go. And the other woman is still <laughs> hugging her in this very romantic kind of thing. And Fran is not violent or no. disgusted. She just goes like, I've stopped hugging you. <laughs> Why are you still hugging me? And then the woman goes, well, aren't you gay as well? And Fran goes, no. It's, and then... Uh, the woman goes, oh, it's just that you're over 30 and you're single. And Fran goes, oh, no, I'm not gay. I'm just pathetic. <laughs> and it's it's not made a point. It's just, it's fine. She's gay. Exactly. And I, and I love because the next line is, oh, yeah. it's, wait, are you Jewish? And the woman goes like, no, it's like, it's a shame. We could have made my mom really happy. Yeah, we were this close to yeah, making exactly. my mom very happy. So the gay thing wasn't even a yeah. problem. No, I, I, I did read a little bit more on, and, and Fran, Fran Drescher has been a staunch supporter of. And she's uh, been an ally since before ally yeah, was a thing. Exactly. And, and, and that's the thing, like, you see, cause like recently they, like with other episodes, there are gay episodes that may have not aged as well. Especially because it's mostly straight guys uh, reacting in not in a very very straight nineties way, 
but here you could see that they weren't interested in seeing that reaction. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't like that. Uh, so. One one beautiful reaction before we move into the next thing is um, at some point um, Fran is convinced that this other nanny is a gay guy and she becomes fast friends with yes. him and she's so happy and she's so comfortable and I love it because the, the, the test for that is she just like yells like who did what in what soap opera and like the guy answers like see he's gay see he's gay so she decides he's gay and she's very nice to him and they're, they're very fast friends and then eventually he's a very handsome in a very 90s way but he's a hunky kind he's of hunky yeah. and uh, she goes wouldn't well, kick him out of bed it wouldn't kick him out of bed definitely well I mean come on would you kick anyone out of bed I would. I have high standards. That, yeah. that's, I pretend that I can have these standards. That's why I'm alone. <laughs> Beat. <laughs> so anyway, no. But she, uh, at, at some point, he starts hitting on her. He comes on to her very, very strongly. Because, not because he's being... I mean, that very strongly. I love that scene because the guy is literally behind her, hugging her, kissing her neck. And still she goes, instead of saying like, or he she asked him <laughs> something about no, another soap she, opera. No, no, he goes. Um, he starts kissing her neck. He's not obviously being violent at all. He's just. You can see exactly. the misunderstanding. Yes. He thought she was interested in him because they were spending so much time together, and she thought she, he was not interested in him as well. And he starts kissing her neck, and she goes. As he is kissing her neck, she goes. Do you know what tiramisu is? And he goes, I have no idea. And she goes, You're not gay! Like she just, she immediately reacts. And it's playing with a stereotype, yes. but for the fun of it. It yeah. doesn't feel. And then no. Max comes in and he sees her kissing him and he goes, Miss Fine, how can you be doing this to him? Because he thinks she's forcing herself onto the gay guy. Yes. And he goes, Miss Fine, how could you be doing this to him? And he does this very tiny thing. Well, I saw the episode and he does this very tiny thing, but it's a very big thing. He goes, he could have a significant other. Did you ever think of that? And nothing else is said of, of yes. it. And he's he is concerned about the fact that this poor gay guy is being... Forced, yeah, yeah. Oh like my God. this desperate woman is forcing herself on this poor. Well, also, there's, there's several points in which, like, they they do emphasize that you know, Mr. Sheffield, you're older, you're single, and you work in theater. So yeah, <laughs> and it's no, and again, he's never ashamed. Exactly, of the, it's of the mistake. It's not a reaction. It's not an adverse reaction. It's just like no, well, no, everything. No, at some point he does the joke. Fran is dressed as a man for some reason. She does a, a, an amazing drag king thing where she gets these clothes from where she gets this makeup from it doesn't matter she's Fran and she can pull off drag king exactly. amazingly and at some point um, she comes she, she's at the man's club, man's club. because yeah, exactly. uh, yes yeah. and she goes she gets really close to Max and she goes Mr. Sheffield are you okay and Max goes Wilbur, because she's presented herself as Wilbur, and and she's going, no, it's me, Miss Fine. And Max goes, oh my god, I, for a second I felt so attracted to you. I thought working in the musical theatre had finally taken its toll on me. And it's so funny. It's a yeah. gay joke, but it's not. He's, yeah, yeah, because she was dating a guy that was trying to like pull a fast one on on Max. A con artist, basically. Con artist. He was a con artist. So anyway, uh, this is going to be the long one still, but uh, quick, uh, let's do before we end the episode uh, the game. The game. The game. So three characters. Every, in every book, series, movie, there are three characters. The character you want to be, the character you think you are, and the character you actually are. 
Okay. So, you go first. I'll go first, and I'll say, I want to be Fran. Because who doesn't because want to be Fran? Because who doesn't? If you don't want to be Fran, you're wrong. Who doesn't? She is never ashamed. I do want to... Please, because I, when last when we first recorded, and I and I fudged up by no recording, yeah. I told I described this as a Cinderella story, and I think you very correctly corrected me that it's not a Cinderella story. Why? Uh, because she is never... In a position of like complete underdog, she's never without agency. She's never without power, and I have to say that like at the end of that, uh, that I was still like kind of like, well, yeah, it's kind of a, but like now, no, it is not at all a Cinderella story. It could have been it very been. easily. It could have easily been gone through a very soap opera thing. Like the poor nanny marries a rich. She kid. was always the, she was always the smartest person in the room. Yes, even when she was dumb. And she, at some point, even when she was in her bathrobe and at the breakfast table, <laughs> and at some point she accepts things like uh, um, someone says to I think Miss Babcock says to Fran, "Oh wow, I you're not as dumb as you look." And Fran goes, "Oh, I <laughs> hope not." <laughs> She's like, I, "I want to be Fran because she is so unashamedly herself. Yes. She's so comfortable in her own skin. She is insecure about many things, and we know that she is insecure. But even in her insecurity, she." always manages to find worth in herself. She always manages to, at her worst, she gets on, a, you know, she puts on an amazing dress and she, just, like, she used to wear uh, this amazing 90s designer called uh, Todd Oldham. And she would wear these amazing like sequin animal print dresses and she would just look like a million bucks and she didn't care. And everyone was like, oh, another another dress from the petroleum collection? Like Cece would go. And Fran would just like push her tits out and go like, yeah. yeah. And Cece would go, oh, I wouldn't be caught dead, dead. It wouldn't be caught dead in that dress. And Niles would go, you'd have to be dead six months to fit into it. <laughs> She was so unashamed unashamedly yeah, herself. So, so yeah, I think I am uh, Niles because I like to think I am this. Because you sound like him. I think <laughs> no, he had this very beautiful deep voice as well. But um, uh, I like to think that I always have the comeback. But I like I'm snarky. But I also like to think that in the end I can do the speech and tell people the truth and be, in the end, the ultimate voice of reason. I like to think of myself as the ultimate voice of reason, which Niles very frequently was. And in the end, I think I actually am Miss Babcock, Miss <laughs> Babcock, Cece, because I get her. She's kind of my favorite character because she, she is funny. She uh, is successful. In the end, she's a very successful woman. Yes. But also, she is so hung up on this thing that she cannot have and she just can't see it. And you, you want to scream at her like you could be so much if you would just let go. And I identify with the fact, maybe it's because I've been in therapy for so long. And, and therapy, in a nutshell, is realizing everything that's wrong with you and also failing at making any changes. You just like... High five. High five. Like you just... Real, well, that was a really good high five for two gays. Like that was like we should we should probably call to the Guinness World <laughs> I feel like yes, doing straight Bring me a men. So yeah, I'm I'm CC because I I think like I I do have so much going for myself, but I very frequently trip yes. over my I can attest to that self image, and I think that I'm not worth more than I am. So I think CC is this character that I really identify with, and I really like it when she wins. 
And sometimes she does. And she I does. And she earns those wins. She has some really amazing... Like, there are some times where, she, like, you could... Like, they wrote the scene and they're like, yeah, Cece wins. Yeah, and, and people will say it. Like, sometimes Maxwell will go, she wins that one. Like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And also, I identify with the fact that sometimes, even though I am a fairly emotional person in many respects, in many others... I do come off, I do come across, and people say this to me, as relatively cold in yes. certain respects. And this whole Bambi thing, like, she doesn't have to pretend to be feminine. She doesn't have to pretend to be anything she isn't. So in that respect, she's kind of like a beautiful counterpart to Fran, yes. because she is also never ashamed. Exactly. They're both very sure of, I mean, of course, they're both, again, insecure of certain parts of their own, of, of, everything of their own personas but that's just what like yeah like you say that they have this uh thing where the the characters do kind of become a caricature of themselves in later seasons but they always keep the heart of the series going definitely um it's your time. even okay so um, i want to be fran drescher because i'm like, fran fine because every and i want to be fran drescher too because of uh, reasons because fran yeah amazing 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 i love her uh, I wish I had the balls to dress as outlandishly as she. I also wish I had the the animus because I, I, like I want to be re- <laughs> I want to be ready in like five minutes. I don't want to spend any time on fitting into something. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I I think I think I am. You know, I think I, I think I actually think I am Brighton because I'm the middle child. I'm precocious. There's, there's a, you know, Brighton gets some really like cool comebacks and, you know, he, he's, cause very, he's very aware of his privilege and he's not above using it to get what he oh, wants. Oh yeah, no, no. <laughs> but he's a good kid in the end. He's, he's just, a good kid and, good. you know, he's just, you know, kind of a brat and yeah. I'm kind of a brat too. But he also breaks down. I like how frequently Brighton would break down like uh, you know she'd go, he would go oh I don't need a date for Valentine's Day and Fran would go oh nobody send you a, a card and Brian goes no and he would just cry he had this very yeah me too like I, I try to put a strong front but it's like it's like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like yeah I'm cool like I don't care but he's also not ashamed of breaking down yes he doesn't really play it macho he does have this no. snarky kind of thing going on but when he's vulnerable he's never afraid of going to Fran and is like I feel terrible about this yes. and yeah He's a good so I think I'm him, but in, my, but in reality I'm Val because I'm the really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't mention Val. We did not mention Val. Val, uh, Fran's best friend, who is on the verge of being mentally handicapped. Exactly. Let's just say it. Yeah. Mentally handicapped. And I. How I've, does she open her door every day? <laughs> She's so stupid. You mentioned, and I love that. That this is a character thing that I just. Because Fran's staying at Val's place for whatever reason, <laughs> and they see a cockroach, and Fran's like, kill it, so Val... No, Fran says, well, take off your shoe and kill, kill it. it. So Val takes off her shoe and steps in the roach with her bare foot. It's so funny. She's so funny. And I've known to, been known to be very stupid like that. <laughs> But also, she's actually very sweet. Everyone likes her. Yes. Now, no one really treats her... Like, Cece at some point is kind of a bitch to her, and then eventually they become friends. Yeah. There are this series of episodes that I wish they'd done more of, where it's the three of them, Val, Fran, and Cece, going out yes. together. And that was a very nice dynamic, yeah. and I wish they'd done more of that. And and and, and Val... Because Val's the dumb person in the room, whether it's with Fran or with Cece. And, the, and yeah, there was, of course, like... They would... They would like make fun of her, but it was also this like it's sort of like the Phoebe thing where like she just just said something so 
it's not even dumb. It's just weird. So it's like, how do you? You can't. You you can't really make fun of it. You just have to roll along with it. You know, See, like this just, is your world, and we're just living in it. And Val would always like do these. She was such a great actress, and she would do these jokes where, where she would state the obvious, but in such a way. Like for example, at some point they were planning a party at this place, and she goes in and is like, "Fran, the worst thing has happened. This place that we're going to have the party at." It burnt down, and then Fran goes, "Oh my God, how?" And she goes, "A fire!" And it's so good, it's so funny. Like, how can I not write jokes like this? They're so uh, tightly packed. And we need silly. to write. We need to write stuff. We need to write a screenplay, honey. We need to do. Anywho, so that was the, the game. That's Please the end. do the do the game yourself. Character you want to be, which is Fran. We know character you think you are and character you actually are. Uh, send us whatever one, whatever you whatever you want. Send us uh, to our social media, uh, Mexicans on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and Patreon. In case you Patreon. want to, for, for us a few dollars, please, or just you know, just follow. We, we're actually at 13 followers on Twitter. So wow, yay. We're, grow, we're growing exponentially. <laughs> My God, it's just and we just keep doing this because we like it. So you know what? Exactly. Fuck you. You don't want us. We don't want you. You can hit that unfollow button if you want. I don't give a fuck. We're doing this because we like it. We're not in here for the yes. money. We're not in it. Clearly, we're not yes. in here for the money. So follow, follow Martin. Shut up. <laughs> follow Martin Leon at Mint on Arrow. Uh, uh, he is on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Facebook, you can find me as Martin Leon. And follow Luis Augusto as Mr. Drama, Mr. Fully Spelled. Mistress. Mister. <laughs> Mistress Drama. Mistress like Drama. It. That's going to be yours. My drag name. name, yeah. And follow us on social media. We love you. We'll see you next week for an under, another 90s episode. Another 90s episode? Yeah, we could definitely do that. Yeah. Why not? For our 90s trilogy. Okay. So, love ya. Bye. Now you have to go to your show. I do. Yeah.